Good evening, everybody. It's a uh, uh, long, long day, man. I got snowed in for the last two days, and uh, my uh, my boy was out front playing with all the neighbor kids and having a grand old time. And man, it uh, you know it's one of those fun little magical moments where you're out there and freezing your ass off, but you know you're making memories. So you know, good times, good times. So I was gonna have my first uh, external guest. When I say external guest, what I mean is I mean somebody that uh, wasn't a friend, wasn't a family member, none of that stuff. Um, and it was uh, a young man by uh, who has a uh, cool little uh, band called the uh, Noise Goodles. And met him on Reddit and was looking around trying to find a a good um, a good guest to have on. And I'm always a big fan of music and uh, especially when I dig uh, rock and roll and I also dig uh, comedy. So this guy was he has a uh, little rock and roll outfit like I say called the noise noodles and uh figure you know go check them out they're they're pretty funny um they uh they got a kind of a rough sound to them you know but that's to be expected I mean these guys are you know college students you know everybody starts out somewhere but uh you know yeah I wanted to give a shout out to those guys and say hey you know I know you had to cancel at the last minute not no harm no foul on that but uh you know keep making what you're making and uh you know yeah I think you guys will go pretty far in this business anyway that said um I want to talk today about conspiracies. Um, I've been finding out a lot of things here and there, and you, you ever just kind of look at something and, you know, something just seems a little off. Something just doesn't quite feel right. Um, and I've noticed that lately. Um, I, and so I was reading up on uh, some conspiracies that actually turned out to be really true. Um, and one of the conspiracies that jumped out at me when I first started to read up on this is the, uh, the, the, the media's... Um, cozy relationship with government. So when I say the media, I mean, you know, newspapers, I mean social media, I mean TV, I mean all these other things. I mean, there's a famous video, if you guys want to look it up, Sinclair uh, Media Group um, ha- owns a bunch of these local TV stations. And if you find it, you can find there's like 20 of these individual uh, local news stations they're all broadcasting the same thing and somebody put them all together so you can see that like there's a narrative being pushed there. Um, and when I, when I was reading through a lot of news stories, especially in the last, like, I'd say about 10 years or so, I'm starting to notice certain wording, you know, certain things. And I always thought that, you know, yeah, maybe I'm just being a little wacky, you know, maybe I'm being a little, little off here until all these little news stories started coming out, you know, like for example, um, when a police shooting happens, if the person shot is black, notice that they bring up race. Doesn't matter if it was race based or not. Watch, read through the, the news article. They always start off with black man shot by police. Doesn't matter if he pulled a gun on the cop. Doesn't matter if he was threatening to kill his old lady. Doesn't None of that stuff matters. But go through all the news articles from that particular news organization and see if you can find in the headline, white man shot by police officer, Asian man shot by police officer. You don't see it. And then it got me thinking. I'm like, you know, maybe maybe there's some conspiracy here. Maybe there's something odd here. And what I was finding was, one, it sells newspapers. It absolutely sells newspapers. And, you know, and of course gets eyeballs on, you know, news articles and things of that nature. But the other thing that it also does is it pushes a narrative. It pushes a narrative because the vast majority of news organizations are left-leaning. Uh, you have MSNBC, CNN, you have all these other places. And, of course, there's right-leaning ones as well, you know, like Fox News and places like that. But but one of the things that I was noticing was the left-leaning ones seem to play the race card an awful lot. 
And as I was going through this, I was researching a little bit deeper, and I was finding that these these news organizations, they're getting real friendly to push a narrative. In fact, I'm looking at uh, uh, on The Intercept right now, new email leak reveals Clinton campaign's cozy press relationship. There were 65 uh, uh, journalists who had the who had basically direct access to Hillary Clinton when she was running for office who they would plant stories with them they she had the ability to squash a story she had the ability to um, you know form a narrative what have you and the thing that bothered me about that was you know when I was growing up in the 70s and the 80s we always looked at the at the media as, hey, these guys are going to find the truth. You know, we were always, you know, the Woodward and Bernstein, the guys who did uh, Watergate, you know, the guys who were always looking for the truth. They were always trying to, you know, take down bad guys and things like that. And then they slowly kind of morphed into this, this nastiness about it, you know. Um, I'm even noticing it now. You know, I'm seeing, it really kind of shows through politics. But looking when you, when you're reading through a news article, don't look at the, at the, at the uh, uh, the headline, read through the the actual meat of the article. Read through it, and then look at the wording that they're doing. Look at what they're thinking about, what they're trying, the the image they're trying to per, uh, portray in your head. Right? Journalism should be the famous who, what, where, when, why, and how. Right? So when you're reading a news article, that should all be all you're getting. But if you're getting some somebody. You know, gently nudging you. They're not necessarily lying, but they're gently nudging you one way or another. Ask yourself, why are they trying to nudge me in a direction? That makes no sense. Um, and then, of course, you would think, okay, well, that was, you know, that was a presidential uh, election. You know, that doesn't that doesn't happen now. Well, I'm looking at an article on Vanity Fair. I will destroy you. Biden aid threatened a political reporter pursuing a story on his relationship. Deputy Press Secretary T.J. Ducklow lashed out at a journalist, Tara Palmieri, spurring conversations between political brass and the White House and raising questions about behavior tolerated in the Biden administration. So you got to think, well, what the fuck, right? So apparently she was investigating this guy having a cozy romantic relationship between the two. And she says, hey, you know, this is kind of weird, right? Well, the thing that bugs me about all of that is Joe Biden just a little while ago said, I'm not joking when I say this. If you were if you are ever working with me and I hear you treat another colleague with disrespect, talk down to someone, I promise you I will fire you on the spot. No ifs, ands, or buts. And so the next natural question is, well if you have a guy on your staff that said something like this to a reporter of all people, he should be fired, right? So you kinda of think, okay, well, you know, they're, they're okay. You know, the press and and the, the or the government. Yeah, they're, you know, they're kind of in bed with one another. They always have been, and that's that's true to a degree. Um, but then you know, there's other conspiracies that you know, I, I looked at and I was like, wow, you know, some of this stuff that happened. You know, and some of these things I've known for a while, but some of these things you just go, Jesus Christ. Some of the things that 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 happened, you know, a long time ago, people would be eaten alive for. Like I'm looking on here where the Department of Treasury poisoned alcohol during Prohibition and killed 10,000 people. They were that against alcohol that they decided that they were going to poison alcohol to potentially make people sick and make them, you know, say, hey, listen, I don't want to, I don't want to do that. You know, I don't want to drink anymore. But it killed 10,000 people. Nobody went to jail. No mass, no mass, uh, uh, you know, protests, anything like that. Now, to be fair, this is in the 30s, so... You know, information isn't as direct as we had anymore. 
Um, the Gulf of Tonkin. Now, a lot of you guys are younger guys, so you may not know this. Imagine a pretext for war, all right? Imagine an event that happens, and there have been a few, and some of you are old enough to remember. Imagine an event that happens, and everybody goes, because that event happened, we're going to war, all right? Now, imagine if that incident never fucking happened at all. They made it up. So the Gulf of Tonkin was an incident that supposedly meant that some North Vietnamese boats fired on some of our ships. And then they went. we went ahead and said, oh my God, they shot at us, it's war, and that's what led us into Vietnam. That didn't happen at all. And so people are going, oh my God, that's, that's just absolutely monstrous. It gets worse. Military leaders planned terror attacks in the United States to, to bring up the public support for war against Cuba. Now, I'm not, I'm not making this up. Go look it up. Go, it's called Operation Northwoods. The, the actual military leaders uh, under um, McNamara had said, if we, you know, attack, um, you know, uh, um, if we attack, you know, Americans, and we say it was Cuba, they will absolutely get behind us to beat the shit out of Cuba, right? Now, to be fair, it wasn't under McNamara. It, McNamara wasn't it specifically. Um, it was a guy named uh, Lemonitzer. I'm mispronouncing his name. But when you when you see these conspiracies, you know, think back 15, 20 years. In fact, there's a there's a famous um, movie, and, I, and the name escapes me. Um, I fuck I forget the name of it, but it's a uh, Mel Gibson movie. Um, it's about conspiracy theories and it basically goes through a lot of things that are true now. Um, for example, uh, he was talking about, um, he was talking about, uh, uh, you know, people listening on his calls, people talking about all these, you know, if everybody's listening in, you don't understand. I mean, even the, the Will Smith movie, enemy of the state, go back and watch that movie. Um, uh, you'll see a lot of things that are absolutely true. Um, in fact, here it is. It's called Conspiracy Theory. It was a, a 1997 movie with uh, Mel Gibson. But look at these things that 20 years ago, people didn't believe it. They didn't believe that our government would do things like this. They wouldn't believe that. They would go, well, you must be out of your fucking mind. There's no way that the government would poison people. There's no way that they would make up, you know, something. There's no way that they would, you know, uh, um, you know, uh, uh, plan terror attacks against Americans. I mean, some of these things, you look at it and you go, if this happened in today's time, at the very least, they'd be in jail. But then when you see very powerful people not go to jail for things that are a complete slam dunk, you fucking did this, you got to think, what else is in play here? So, for example, I'll give you two examples here. First one, and I'm going to get so many people groaning. I'm an IT director by trade. I have built tons and tons of, of companies' infrastructure, huge, huge bits of infrastructure. I have built file servers, mail servers, uh, domain controllers, all that kind of stuff. And when I saw Hillary Clinton put out an email server, I was floored because I have lots of friends and family who were in the military, and each one of them had said, oh, my God. She has to go to jail. There's no other way. The director of the FBI, James Comey, came out and said, 
we found the highest level of of uh, of classified information on that server that there was no question it's a slam dunk case but when you saw the bias come out from you know page and Strzok, the two fbi agents who were having an affair when you have andrew mccabe who was a uh, i think it was like second or third in command at the fbi when he's fired months away from retirement and stripped of tons of stuff. When you're seeing these things, you go, something is amiss here. Nobody's going to jail. Because I guarantee you, if there was some private who was in the army who had put top secret information, information that he was, you know, rightfully had access to, but if he put that on an email server and transmitted that information, he'd be sitting in Leavenworth until he was 90. There is no fucking way that that would happen or that wouldn't happen to that guy. So when you see somebody like Hillary Clinton getting away with it, you go, this is another conspiracy. You know, is this another, you know, behind the scenes, all right, you shouldn't have done it, you know, blah, blah, blah. Um, the other one is um, is uh, Trump. Now, Trump, you know, Trump's a little difficult for me. And, and what I mean by that is when the riots happened, I saw a lot of people going, oh, my God. He um, he encouraged this, you know, he, he's got to be held responsible, blah, 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 right? And all the evidence that I saw, now to be fair, I didn't watch the whole thing. Um, but the things that I saw, they were like, he said, hey, he, you got to fight, you got this, you got that. And everybody was like, oh my God, he's he's got to be held responsible. And just today, he was found not guilty of the, uh, um, in his impeachment trial. But... When we had riots over the summer, you had tons of left-wing uh, um, people who would, were encouraging it. They were like, hey, there needs to be unrest in the streets. Um, you know, these, this is you know, totally within their rights, blah, blah, blah. They never got removed. And so I, all of these things that you would think would be really black and white type of issues are no longer being issues. And because we're the information that's being given to us, we literally have the world's information at our fingertips over the internet. Having all that information means that we can now put the pieces together that we couldn't put together before. And so when you see these things that are just so odd, that make no sense, you go, is there a conspiracy? Is it a righteous conspiracy? You know, is it something that you, you just kind of go, mm. It, it doesn't feel right. It doesn't pass a smell test, right? Now, the flip side of that, there's conspiracies all over the other place. Like, here's my favorite conspiracy. I can't prove it. There's no way to prove it. There's, like, literally you could have every piece of information in the entire world, and it would not prove this conspiracy one way or the other. And here's a conspiracy. It's a religious conspiracy. Jesus came back from the dead. Okay, they remember how they in the Bible it says, "Hey, Jesus, one day is going to come back from the dead. He's going to, you know, be a savior of humanity. He's going to, you know, help the sinners. That kind of thing, right?" Jesus came back from the dead, and we've seen him. We've celebrated him. He has already brought people into church. He has pulled in the sinners, so to speak. You know, your drug dealers, your your, uh, your prostitutes, your strippers, you know, your those kind of people, right? He has brought all those people together. He talked about God. He talked about religion. He talked about being a good person. 
but he did it in a way that really resonated with people, that really touched those people. And then he died at a young age. And I'm talking about Sam Kinison. Now, I've talked about Sam Kinison before, but if you're, if you're too young to remember or whatever, go watch some of his early specials. Now, to be fair, this guy was a preacher before, but he brought in all the people who would never in a million years go to, to, uh, to church, who would never in a million years think about Jesus or any of that stuff. Now, not saying he converted the masses and everything was all hunky-dory, but I saw a striking amount of similarities between Kinison and Jesus. You have somebody who's preaching to a huge crowd to, you know, tell them how uh, the, the things that they're doing, that they need to come to God, they need to be love, and, you know, all those kind of things in a funny way. And to be fair, you know, he was a flawed man himself. And then he died, you know, um, in a car crash in 1992. But go back and watch him. And then tell me um, if you don't see a lot of similarities there. But... When you're seeing these conspiracies, when you're seeing, you know, the, the information that comes out, you know, if I, you know, if I told you 25 years ago, hey, the, the, the government is listening into all your phone calls, every single one of them, not just, hey, if you're, um, if you're under investigation or anything like that, people thought you're nuts. In fact, like I, like I say, go watch Enemy of the State, go watch that Will Smith movie. It's really, really good. Um, and Regina King in it. Ooh, she is sexy, but <laughs> Go watch that movie and watch the people's reaction when he says, hey, everybody's listening in on your calls, everybody's listening to everything. In fact, one of the things that Gene Hackman's character says is the telecommunications industry has been in, uh, in bed with the government since day one. And if you go forward to, I think it's called Project Prism, there's a list of all the software companies and telecommunication companies. So you're talking like Verizon, Microsoft, all these other companies that were in cahoots with the U.S. government who were giving out information, who were, you know, working with them to figure out um, vulnerabilities that they could exploit, you know, all these other things. And, you know, you go back and you go, holy shit, it was true. So when you see the guy, you know, off on the, you know, talking to himself or, you know, what have you. He, he, he basically just, you think he's a kook. You think he's a fucking whack job. And then a little while later, you know, Edward Snowden comes out and says, yeah, we've been doing all this forever. And you go, holy shit. And the thing is that no one does anything about it. I mean, you, you literally had Edward Snowden come out and say, your worst fears are true. We are spying on you. We've done huge, huge amounts of of uh, intelligence gathering on U.S. citizens. This isn't like we're doing it on, you know, foreign net networks or anything like that. And that's where I disagree with him because he gave out a lot of secrets that I think really hurt us. But when he came out and said, you're being spied on without a warrant in mass and we have the capability to listen in and process an entire country's worth of phone calls, text messages and all that, on a daily basis, my first thought was, holy shit, what kind of resources do they have available? You know? And to be fair, Edward Snowden, he could be a little bit full of shit. You know, I'm not saying the guy's, you know, 100% right or 100% wrong, but I mean, it's entirely possible that he came out and said, you know, ah, you know, aliens came down and, you know, put their thumb in my butt, you know, whatever. But, um, you know, a lot of these 
these things. And then these things aren't new. You know, you're being spied upon. You're being lied to. You know, people forget that we were even lied to for the first Persian Gulf War. So for those of you that don't remember, in 1990, Saddam Hussein invaded Kuwait, right? Shot up a bunch of people, did some pretty horrible shit. The entire world came down and said, nope, get the fuck out or we're going to kick the living shit out of you. And there was a girl who testified before Congress. Her name was Nay Nayara, I think her name was. And she talked about all of these you know, horrible things she saw Iraqi soldiers doing. She was selling the war is what she was doing. The war didn't need selling. You had, a, you had a guy who basically kicked in the door of his neighbor and said, I'm taking over and I'm going to do whatever the fuck I want and you're all now part of, of Iraq. That that in of itself, you didn't, need to, you didn't need to oversell it. And they did. They brought this girl in and she said all these horrible things and people bought it. And then come to find out, she was a daughter of the Kuwaiti ambassador to the United States. And had we known then what we know now and had the technology to communicate with one another and look up all this information, we'd have found that out a while ago. And then we would have asked ourselves the natural question, why are you overselling this war? Why are you lying to us? What else is going on here? Just like with, um, with O.J. Simpson and uh, Mark Furman. Mark Furman was a racist piece of shit, right? Everybody knew that O.J. killed Nicole and Ron Goldman. They knew it. They had his fucking blood all over the place. They had his uh, his shoe prints, which were really rare. They had a glove, which was really rare. All pointed to OJ. Every bit of it. But they had to fucking oversell it. And so when they oversold it, it completely fell apart. It's like, what the fuck are you doing? When you have these conspiracies of, you know what, I'm just going to go ahead and lie and I'm going to try to do this. And I'm going to go ahead and lie and I'm going to, you know, try some other things. It... It completely destroys any trust you have in in anybody. You like you should not have a trust in your government. You really shouldn't. In fact, you should really think long and hard about politicians. And when I say the government, the government sounds like this nameless, faceless thing. It's not. It's not a nameless, faceless thing. It's people who are inflicting their either their personal interests. Or their professional interests on you for their benefit. No question. Doesn't matter if they're Republican or Democrat. That's what they're doing. So then ask yourself this question. Why would a politician give a shit if you had an arsenal of weapons? You're not bothering anybody. You're not doing anything wrong. But you have an arsenal of weapons. Right? You got an AR-15. You got a, you know, a 6.5mm Creedmoor that can reach out to 2,000 yards. Why would they care? They care because they're doing shit that they're afraid that if you found out, you'd shoot them for it. That's what it all boils down to. It's not about public safety. It's not about any other shit. That's why they bring everybody out, and that's why they paint all these horrible stories, and they go, oh, my God, how could you vote against this? This is this is madness. You know, you're, you're a monster. It's like, no, no. The guy that shot up the place, you know, send him to jail, execute him, call it a day. And so... These, these wild thoughts, these wild conspiracies that you see, and don't get me wrong, gun control is absolutely a fucking conspiracy. It absolutely is. There is no other explanation other than people in power don't want you to have access to the same thing that makes you a threat to them. All right? People don't want 
to know these things as well. They don't want to know that the CIA experimented on people. They don't want to know that. Or if they do, they just go, yeah, well, you know, that was then. That was, that was years ago. No, it's not. It's going on today. You know, the CIA had a mind control program called MKUltra. They were giving people huge amounts of LSD, just kind of see what happened. And some poor guy, now, it's one of two things here. Some poor guy fell out of a 15-story window back in the 50s. And he was a victim, I don't want to say, you know, participant, but he was basically a victim of this. And whether or not he jumped or he fell or whatever, but he fell to his death. And supposedly, when he hit the ground, he was still alive and he was he had a very fearful look in his face. So now, of course, it could be, hey, I just fell 15 fucking stories and I know I'm about to die. Or it could be, hey, there's these CIA guys just give me a bunch of shit. I don't know what the fuck is going on here, right? So think about these things when you see little bits of information you know when you see little bits of information think to yourself what what are, what are people trying to convey what are they trying to get me to think you're being manipulated right you know when you have um something called the bohemian grove which apparently is this you know getaway retreat for super rich powerful people whether or not it's true, I don't know. I haven't looked that one up too terribly much. But when I see very, very, very powerful people getting together, having these these types of uh, um, talks, you go, "What are you talking about? You know, what are you what are you thinking about? What are you doing? You know." So, I mean, I, I give a perfect example. So when me and my buddy uh, were in uh, when we were younger, we used to go to these gun shows. And these gun shows, you would have these um, these old timey guys, guys who were in their fifties or sixties. Now this is in the in the nineties, right? Guys were in their fifties and sixties, and they would all have, you know, a little bumper sticker that says, "I don't believe the the liberal media. I don't believe the lying media." Blah 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 blah. But and you, we you know we thought these guys are just whack jobs. That's all they are. They're just whack jobs, right? So we kind of paid them no mind and let them do their thing, and then slowly but surely. Things became a little bit more. Oh shit! Were these guys onto something? And you know, there's no way to way to prove certain conspiracies. Of course, I mean, there's no way to prove, you know, 9/11 was a, uh, an inside job. You know, if it was, one of the greatest conspiracies of all time because you have to have thousands of people involved. You have to have building engineers. You have to have pilots. You have to have all these other people, right? And a lot of times. The simplest explanation is the correct one, but, you know, when you are looking at some of these conspiracies, you know, think about, think about a conspiracy that you may, may be thinking right now, right? So get a good conspiracy in your head, right? Um, you know, Joe Biden's one of the lizard people, uh, you know, Kamala Harris, uh, you know, um, you know, bays in the blood of children, some shit like that, right? Why do you think that? You know, what, what is the, what is the underlying evidence that you have? If you have evidence, bring it forward. Absolutely bring it forward. There was huge amounts of evidence of a conspiracy with Hillary's email server. You had the president, you know, the former president, her husband meeting on a plane with the then attorney general. Both of them are attorneys. Both of them know better than to meet 
with just the optics of, hey, this lady is investigating your wife. They know better than that. They were on a plane for half an hour. All right? That's kind of the conspiracy that I've kind of latched onto a little bit. So that's a conspiracy that I look at and I go, I knew based upon all the evidence that I've been, that I've seen from both Democrats, Republicans, and from the FBI report, I know for an absolute fact they let her off. There is no way that the FBI has such a huge amount of resources available to them with such a slam dunk case that they would have let her go. All right. Now, some other people are saying, well, you know, the FBI doesn't charge people. Well, when that plane incident happened, people forget that Loretta Lynch, who quietly slithered away, Loretta Lynch said, hey, you know what, I'm just going to take the advice of the FBI director and when we determine if we're going to charge or not, right? Because she was trying to recuse herself. The problem is, though, is that you have such an amazing amount of bias. You have two FBI agents who are having an affair behind their married spouse's backs, who are having an affair, who are talking about how they don't want to go hard on Hillary in their questioning of her because she may be the next president and thus her next boss. And here's the other thing. It wasn't videotaped, and the notes are very, very lackluster so for me when you have one of the biggest news stories in political history and it's not videotaped that speaks volumes to me when you could have easily asked her did you have any classified information on this server yes or no and if she said no because that's what she told everybody you can ding her right there for lying to an FBI agent it's a crime and people have done it before but yet nothing she goes off and her husband does speeches for quarter million dollars a piece which is really odd as well i think it's kind of a roundabout bribe you know you tell me what do you think here you got a guy who says listen i can't accept money for certain things or anything like that but maybe i come to your place maybe i give a speech maybe you give me a quarter million dollars think long and hard about that i don't know what you guys do for a living but think long and hard about that some of you work for giant conglomerates. Some of you work for podunk little companies, things like that. Is there anything that a person from political office, Obama, Bill Clinton, George Bush, anybody, is there anything that, any speech that they could give you that would be worth a quarter of a million dollars for your employees to hear? And you, you judge that. You think long and hard about that. Is that something that you would go, oh my God, if this guy would come and give a speech, I could get more than $250,000 worth of training, leadership abilities, um, you know, just information. No, of course not. It's bullshit. Nobody thinks that. So when you read, oh, they made $10 million, $15 million off of speaking fees, you go, this is bribery. This is roundabout bribery. When you have... 80% of the American public and supposedly the majority of Congress saying we should have a constitutional amendment for members of Congress it never happens. Why? Why does why do people like Nancy Pelosi and Mitch McConnell 
spend millions of dollars in donated uh, funds to run for a job that pays 175000 a year. I mean, let's think long and hard about that. They're spending money. People are donating money to a person who is going to get a job that pays $174,000 a year. With bonuses and things like that, maybe you get to two fifty, dollars right? So what are they getting for their money? You know, think about that. What are they getting for their money? Do you think that the guy who's a billionaire is donating, you know, couple thousand dollars or hosting fundraisers that raises a half million dollars or maybe makes a super PAC any of those things do you think he really cares that much about social issues or gun rights or universal health care of course not he's making sure that his interests are protected he's making sure that he's got a congressman in his fucking pocket and I will tell you this I've done the same thing I've got a congressman who I've donated to not a lot of money but a little bit and I can call him up anytime I want and say, hey, I, I'd like to talk to you about X. And you know what? He takes my fucking phone call. He absolutely takes my fucking phone call. Now, to be fair, it's a state legislator. Nothing special. Um, you know, I mean, the guy, the guy has a full-time job, right? State legislature's here in my state. It's not a full-time gig. But because I'm a donor, he absolutely takes my call. And whenever I ask him for something, as long as it's not outrageous... He listens, and he, 99% of the time, does exactly what I ask him. And that's troubling. That should not be the way it is. It should be he wants to serve the public. He wants to make life better for everybody, you know. And I can agree with people on the left and on the right, you know, on certain subjects. So when I have a, a, you know, a, a conspiracy that, you know, the politicians, they're all working in cahoots, they don't really hate each other, they all, you know, do all these other things, it's true, you know, you, you kind of go, you got to take a step back and go, well, you know, obviously, Bill Clinton, you know, he hates, you know, George Bush, no, he doesn't, go, go look at some of the notes that they've written to one another, they look like fucking bromances, but you, you, it's, it's not a left versus right anymore, it's a have and have nots. And until you get people out of office, and it doesn't matter, until you start getting people out of office in mass, you will never change it. Never. You need to get somebody who will absolutely, positively stand by their principles. Now, to be fair, asking a politician to stand by their fucking principles is... <laughs> that's going to be a, a bit of a stretch. But you're going to have these back-end, back-door conspiracies that happen all the time. So, I guarantee you, just, just hear me out on this one, on this little wacky conspiracy idea. When the 2022 election comes up, if you vote out the person who's in charge, doesn't matter if they're left or right, doesn't matter if you're left or right, if you vote out every single person up for re-election, I guarantee you there will be a ripple effect that will fucking go massively through the entire political landscape. Ask yourself this question. When people ask for the source code for voting machines, they're constantly told no. Why would somebody 
hide how a voting machine works. You know, you could argue, well, it's, you know, for security or whatever, but Linux, one of the most secure operating systems on the planet, is open source. I can look at the source code tomorrow if I wanted to. And yet, here we are with one of the most core, sacred things out there, and you have foreign nations like China and Russia who are actively, to this day, trying to influence who we are, what direction we have, you know, how we treat their nation. Why are they hiding how their voting machine works? Why is Joe Biden taking a little, taking a little bit easy on China? Why is, you know, why is Trump taking it easy on Russia? Why would you have these friendly things? There's got to be some more to it. Anyway, I just figured I'd talk about conspiracies tonight. I just went off on a little tangent there, but it was it was enough for me to kind of you know, actively kind of just sit there and think and go, hmm, you know, is, is it something there? Is there something that I'm missing? You know, maybe there is, maybe there isn't, who knows? But, yeah, I really uh, think you guys ought to check out uh, the Noise Noodle guys. Those guys were, uh, they were pretty funny and it was just something that kind of, you know, kind of grabbed my attention. But, anyway, you know, because I, I really dig music, you know. Um, for me, I'm more of a rock, heavy metal guy. You know, I like... I like bands like Old School Metallica. I like ACDC. Um, in fact, uh, I got the new ACDC album. It's fucking great. Um, for me, you know, I like gritty rock and roll, right? Uh, in fact, there's a there's a band out there right now, um, and I love these guys. I've bought every one of their albums. Um, it's on my. Uh, in fact, one of the one of the early things that they did was they allowed me to buy the album from their website, and I talked to their I don't know if he was a manager or whatever, but basically I called him up or I emailed him and I said, Hey man, I, I love your band. I want to buy the album, but what I want to know is if I buy it from iTunes or if I buy it from you guys off your website, you know, where do you get m the most money? And the guy said, We get the most money if you buy it from our website, but buy it wherever you want. You know, we just, as long as we got a fan, that's fine. So I'm like, Nah, fuck that. So I bought it directly from their website and it gave me the option of just getting it as an MP3. Standard MP3, no digital rights bullshit, none of that stuff. And it's an Australian band called uh, Airborne, uh, although they spell it A I R B O U R E. Airborne, any, sorry. Um, I, they're basically the goddamn saviors of rock and roll right now. They're put out solid albums, love them. They they've they've gotten pretty popular, but they're they're probably like. I wouldn't say exactly midstream successful, at least, you know, from my perspective, maybe I'm wrong. Um, I would say they're just a, a click down, maybe like an eighth of an inch down from mid-level success. You know, they're selling albums, they're doing great. Uh, you know, they're not rock arena gods like Metallica. They aren't playing bars, you know, they're playing decent sized crowds. Um, but yeah, go online, check them out. Those guys are great. Um, to be fair though, you know, there's some bands that I like that, uh, and some songs that I like that I that you know don't really line up with, um, you know, hard rock and heavy metal. You know, I mean, I dig, you know, bands like like I say, like Metallica. I dig bands, you know. For, I used to like the old hair metal bands. For me, hair metal bands were a lot of fun. You know, um, I got into a band called Slaughter. Now, long time ago, um, my buddy Alex, um, he was my junior high friend uh, when he and I were in junior high school. And he got a CD player from his dad. Now, this is when CD players were super expensive. And his dad got him uh, a CD or two 
every week as part of his allowance. And he introduced me to all these hair metal bands. And there was a band called Vinnie Vincent Invasion. Now, for those of you that are KISS fans, Vinnie Vincent used to play guitar for KISS. Well, Vinnie Vincent had this hair metal band, and they were, you know, they were good for, you know, an 80s hair metal band. Well, apparently he turned out to be a giant douchebag, so the bass player and the, uh, um, and the, uh, 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 singer went off and formed Slaughter, and I bought their album there. They actually got really successful with their Up All Night, uh, album that they had, and, uh, or I think that's a song, but I don't remember the name of the band, of the album, but... But hair metal was a lot of fun for me because it was rock and roll, but it was kind of showy, it was kind of flashy, you know. And you had bands like, you know, Poison, Motley Crue, Britney Fox, Cinderella. I loved Cinderella. Cinderella was great. Um, in fact, I saw them with Bon Jovi in on June 30th, 1987 at the Memorial Coliseum in Portland, Oregon. Um, great time. Had a blast. And Alex's dad was a maitre d' of a very high-end restaurant. Um, and his dad, um, let us come in. We were, um, we were, uh, uh, sitting there. We had dinner, very hoity-toity. And, you know, it's, you know, a couple of 13-year-old boys, you know, we didn't belong there. We were kind of screwing around doing, you know, dumb 13-year-old boy things, playing paper football, stupid shit. Went to the concert, um, had a blast, um, super long, super loud, um, and, it was my first concert. Had a great, great time. You know, it was, it was, you know, they weren't trying to tell me how to fucking vote. They weren't trying to, you know, tell me about how the president was a bad guy. They weren't, none of that stuff. It was, listen, we're going to play great music. We're going to, you know, show you some titties on the big screen. You know, maybe you meet a girl at the stage, you know, whatever. Some girl in the audience flips her shirt up. You know, everybody's having a grand old time. And that's what I loved about music like that. I liked you know, good time music. That's why I always loved ACDC, um, one of my all-time favorite bands. Um, that's why I loved Airborne, because they're not trying to push a message. You know, you have bands like R.E.M. and, God, all the fucking horrible fucking people now. Kanye West is a fucking lunatic. Taylor Swift, ugh. Mariah Carey cannot fucking stand her hate her fucking guts she is so goddamn pretentious thinks she's better than everybody else has this snotty little attitude just like madonna the worst one for me was when madonna was um she was doing an interview uh she was i think she had that fake british accent that she did for a little bit and then she said something and the interviewer said well what do you mean by that and she just goes look it up and it's like oh fuck you I never got the reason why a, why a musician needs to be so goddamn pretentious, you know? Um, but like I say, I got into hair metal, loved hair metal, um, and then I got a little bit into alternative metal um, when Nirvana came out. Now, when Nirvana came out with Smell Like Teen Spirit, that song was everywhere. Everywhere. And for me... It was, oh, these guys rock. You know, I dug the sound. It was nice. Um, didn't get too deep into the, the alternative metal scene. Um, I liked Soundgarden with Rusty Cage. Loved that song. Uh, in fact, it was on the uh, Road Rash soundtrack for Sega Genesis. The you know, fucking far back I go. But you have, you know, Soundgarden. I I knew of Alice in Chains. I love Sick Man. Um, but I kind of rediscovered Alice in Chains um, probably about 
five, six years ago or something like that. Kind of got into them a little bit more. Um, I found that I kind of re, um, rediscovered certain bands. Um, rediscovered Alice in Chains. Loved Alice in Chains. Um, rediscovered, uh, there was another band. I forget the band. Oh, it's going to drive me nuts now. But um, rediscovered a little bit of those. Um, and, you know, for a while you know, heavier music seemed to kind of die off. And if you were into heavier music, you either were into, you know, death metal, which was a little too hard for me. Um, I needed a little bit more melody for, you know, what I was getting. But, you know, it just it never, it was either death metal or, you know, this pop bullshit, which I just like, ugh, I, I'm not a fan. You know, I and the worst part is that I would hear the, this poppy sound when I would go to the gym. So I'd go to the gym, you know, to be fair, it's LA Fitness or 24-Hour Fitness or one of these, you know, giant conglomerate places, and they'd be playing Katy Perry's Roar, they'd be playing, you know, some other bullshit song, you just kind of like, ugh, I fucking hate this, and you see all these pretentious douchebags who'd be off flexing, they'd, they'd have no body fat on them whatsoever, they wouldn't be doing any of that stuff, but you'd have these girls who just loved it, whatever, and, you know, you tolerate it when you see, you know, a girl big tits, you know, doing the good girl, bad girls, and if you ever want to know what good girl, bad girls are, it's an exercise that works in and out of thighs, but it, it's a place was the one for me, so I started going to a powerlifting gym, and when I started going to a powerlifting gym, there's nobody there with six-pack abs, nobody, but they're playing good music, and that's how I kind of rediscovered a lot of the bands that I'm listening to now, um, and I discovered Airborne probably, God, I want to say probably about... And it was right after when their first album came out and been a big fan ever since and the powerlifting gym I go to um, they let you connect your phone to the sound system and if you happen to be the only person there or if it's first come first serve you just toss it up toss on your music and start hitting play you know and then if you leave it's the next person's turn you know it's a nice low key place but you know I threw on Airborne and people were like holy shit you know this place is great you know I love this band blah 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 they've got a very ACDC type sound, you know, very clean, very, you know, very simple, you know, um, you know, melodies, uh, very simple, um, you know, a couple of chords, nothing special about it, right? They're not trying to play the guitar at a thousand miles an hour, none of that shit. Um, but from, uh, for the things that music wise that I'm seeing these days, and I don't know, maybe you guys can, can recommend something, but you know, I'm not seeing a lot of, of of good rock bands anymore. You know, there's some there's some good stuff out there from established bands, but I'm always trying to find a new band, you know, maybe, you know, a band that, you know, that's why I like the Noise Noodle guys. You know, they seem pretty fun. They seem pretty out there. They seemed, you know, they're just kind of doing it for fun as a, as a good time thing. I don't, you know, and if they try to pursue it as an actual career, great. I'd love to kind of, that's one of the things I was going to talk to them about today was, want to talk to him a little bit about what his goals were you know hey you know this is your fun little band you toss it up on youtube um you know he got 50 80 views per you know it's great and i listened to it it was pretty good and kind of a raw sound to it but you know who hasn't i mean my earlier shows suck in terms of quality and all that and but i want to talk to him a little bit more about hey let's talk about you know the business side of things do you want this to be you know your job you know do you want this to be something that you pursue where you know, maybe six months, a year goes down the line, you put out, you know, another album, you do some more fun stuff, blah, blah, blah. Pretty soon you get, I don't know, the attention of Weird Hal and you go on tour with him. You know, it could be anything, really. Well, that's the one thing that always fascinated me, though, about 
things in general that I'm a fan of. I always want to know about the back end part of it, you know. Like when I talk about stand up comics, I always want to talk about, you know, hey, tell me what it's like to be on the road. Tell me what it's like to, you know, how do you, how do you uh, uh, book your shows? You know, I mean, how do you know that there's a, you know, a comedy, you know, uh, there's a comedy store, you know, in South Dakota, you know, not to pick on South Dakotans, you know, but, you know, what do you earn in a year? You know, you don't have to tell me your exact amount of money, but let's say you're a, you know, a locally named guy. You know, are you, are you earning enough money to, you know, not have to worry about, you know, uh, you, where your rent's coming from? Are you touring around? You know, uh, how far away are you from your family? You know, because I've seen some comics, they, you know, to be fair, these guys are talking, they're higher end comics, but they'll go, oh, yeah, I went on the road for three months last year. Okay, great. So was that enough for the entire year? Great. So same thing with music. I want to know, you know, hey, you put out an album, you sold 100,000 copies, you know, what does that look like you know i mean how do you split things you know even james hetfield he was on joe rogan and he was talking about how he had to do these deals with you know record producers and they had to give up certain portions of things and these are you know mega mega selling guys and they still had to make these deals so but yeah go check out the noise noodle guys you know i think i think you'll be uh, pleasantly surprised as to the the fun stuff they put out there so but of course you know, for me, music-wise, there's always those uh, fun little songs that, you know, you look at and you go, there's no way that guy has that. Like, I bought Enya, The Memory of Trees. You know, I've got that album, and I'm pretty sure that somebody in the audience is going to go, fag. <laughs> Same thing. I got Barry White. Um, uh, I forget the name of the album, but it's the one where he's got uh, Can't Get Enough of Your Love, Babe. You know, and uh, you toss that on there, and if your whole lady isn't ready to rock and roll off of that, that not you got no game. I can't help you. But you know, my music collection, you know, vast majority, hard rock, heavy metal, good time music, you know, kicking indoors, having a great time, right? But there's the occasional, you know, I'll be flipping through, and you know, me and my boy will be riding down the road, and you know, song will come on the road or on the radio, and. I'll just start singing along to it. And it has nothing to do with, with the normal music that I have. We all have that eclectic, you know, collection. In fact, um, uh, Nick DiPaolo's got a great bit on it. He says uh, he says he's talking about having an iPod. And he says, man, I, I hate that thing. You know, it's, he says, the last thing I want to be doing is, you know, trying to find a song at 70 miles an hour going down the road, you know. He says, but my problem is, though, is that uh, I don't want to hook that thing up to my, to my uh, radio because what happens if I get into a car crash, man? He says, I might be... Uh, you know, everybody knows me as a hard rock heavy metal guy, but, you know, get into a car crash, can't move my legs, and, you know, everything's all scattered about, and the, the cops show up on the scene, and they look around, and they go, what's that, what, I hear something, what is that, and you hear, I'm all out of love, I'm so lost without you. <laughs> Since everybody's got that one gay song they like, so. <laughs> so, anyway, well, yeah, go check out those noise noodle guys, they, uh, they seem like stand-up dudes, um, and, uh, I'm going to go ahead and uh, call it a night a little early, and uh, hopefully by next week, if I'm not fucking snowed in, and, uh, you know, my, uh, actually I might be able to schedule a guest, we'll, uh, we'll have some more fun. So, anyway, y'all have a good night. Bye.